Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tan, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Concept Coatings Design Co., Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast, first one of 2024, and what a weekend we had in Anaheim, Orange County, Southern California, kicking off the 2024 Monster Energy Supercross Series. Listen, if you weren't excited going into that, uh, like I say all the time, you're probably in the wrong sport because... That event has everything, and I know many of you probably have never been to it. I understand. It's a long way for some people to travel, super expensive, all those things, but if you ever get a chance, you absolutely need to go to that round. There's really just nothing like it. Um, the electricity, the atmosphere, the expectation, new gear, new bikes, new everything, new numbers. Um, it's just really special. It's a one-of-a-kind event, and uh, you know we were treated to really nice weather. It was a little chilly Saturday night, I'm not going to lie. But uh, it was still a really, really nice night. Great racing, um, exciting crashes, takeouts, um, some expected, some not. I think it had a little bit of all of it. And it was just throughout the whole weekend, it was just one of those weekends where it kept you on your toes. There was always something to look at or watch or talk about or bench race about. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, speaking for myself, you know, I was on the television broadcast. I was on Race Day Live. I was doing the press conference. I was busy, uh, and I love it. Um, I will take every opportunity that you can throw at me, and um, yeah, I had plenty of those. So thank, thank you to all of the powers that be for allowing me to be involved, and thank you to all of you who uh, mentioned nice things to me, nice words, kind words about things. Um, some people not happy with my haircut. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to be me. I'm going to do things the way that I want to and look the way I want to. And uh, I, I have no regrets or qualms about that. So um, I understand people reaching out and saying, you're too old for that haircut. That's okay. It doesn't, you don't have to have this haircut. You don't have to have any haircut. And I won't criticize you either. So we can all just get along. Uh, before we get into the podcast too far, I want to thank the sponsors, of course, Pirelli Tires. Uh, we're going to talk about Dylan Ferrandis and his fifth place finish. He was on Pirelli Tires. Guts Racing, thank you to Andy Gregg and the team over there. They have great graphics, seat covers, all sorts of things for e-bikes. Uh, the new Saran, everybody, you know, Saran's that everybody's so excited about. Check out Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding. Rates have come down a little bit, and uh, that's that's helping. That's getting more more opportunity for people, bringing housing prices down, your average mortgage costs down with that. So if you have questions, reach out to Plum Creek Funding, and Zach Morris is leading the team over there. Concept Coatings Design Co., they had lots of athletes there this weekend. They helped Kevin Moran's quite a bit. Uh, they do Cerakote, anodizing, laser engraving, full bike builds out of their shop in Temecula. They also have a full setup in Perth, Australia. 
So you can check out Concept Coatings Design Co. Check out their Instagram for more information. If you have questions on their race shop or any of the products that they customize, you can reach out to me as well and I will help. Works Connection, uh, whatever you may need. Chain Gauge, Pro Launch Start Device, helping Jet Lawrence get out and get the whole shot this weekend on that factory CRF 450. That new chain gauge they launched in 2023 is really great too. Instead of having to stick your fingers in the nasty chain lube and all that stuff, you can use that chain gauge. Pro Glow Wash back again. Thank you to Ryan and the Pro Action Fluids team for creating a great product and also being a part of this podcast. TL Speed Shop based in Wickenburg, Arizona. Jason Cobb and the team have side-by-sides. They have trophy trucks. They have all sorts of things you can fly in, rent them. You can customize a trip. You can go to Sedona. You can go to Baja. You can go to Vegas, go to the Grand Canyon, whatever you want. That's what they do well. Um, obviously, they're based in the Southwest, which where you know most of the side-by-side action is these days. Uh, but they have a great setup, and it's perfect for corporate events, you know, uh, just guys' trips, whatever you could think of. So check them out. Uh, just a great, great program they have over there. Grandstone Boots. Uh, I am. I feel like I'm the the leading ambassador for Grandstone Boots, and I couldn't be happier than I am about that. Uh, such a great product and such a great team over there. And I I think I've been a part of this since the beginning with them. So uh, that gives me a sense of pride and accomplishment to watch them grow. And Fly Racing, as I sit right now, I am at the office at Fly Racing and we're working on, uh, working on San Francisco. We got a win with RJ Hampshire last week, which we're about to talk about. But that was that's exactly what we're here for. We want to win. We want to build the best products in the industry. And uh, yeah, thankfully, RJ was able to put Fly Racing on top. And without further ado, let's talk about RJ. I think he did exactly what he's supposed to do, right? If you're looking at this series and you're looking at RJ's history, how long he's been around, how great his 2023 season was, and who he should really fear in this championship, I think he went out and did exactly what the doctor ordered for the opener. And that is be the alpha, be the guy that everybody's looking to to win the race. And I know that sounds really basic. I get it. But it's not it's it's a lot harder said than done and there's there can be only one of those. And when you take Jet out of the equation with him moving up, I think this was what he really needed to do. He needed to establish himself and send a message to Levi Kitchen, to Joe Shimoda, to whoever, Max Voland. I don't care who you think the best guys are in the class. He needed to send a message to them and say, "Hey, this is this is my time. Like you guys will have a time, but this year 2024, this is my time. And that encompasses a lot of things, right? You can't do silly things in the race. You can't have tip overs. You can't have bad starts. You can't put yourself in bad situations. You just have to kind of be the guy. And in time qualifying, put in good laps. In the heat race, kind of get up front and then work your way forward or just make sure that you, you know, get a great gate pick for the main event. And then in the main event, be calm, no, you know, lean on your fitness, lean on the fact that you are the most qualified and have the expectation to win and trust yourself is a big part of that. Trust who you are and what you're capable of. And I, I thought RJ did exactly that. Uh, if you're looking for signs or symptoms that he was going to step up and, and accept the challenge and take it head on, I think we got all of that. Uh, so what I wanted from him he delivered and uh, great job. The only thing I would ask, the only thing I could say, like, hey, if there's one thing we could clean up, it would be qualifying. 
his qualifying laps are so sketchy. He scares me so often. And maybe he doesn't feel like he's on the edge of control, but it damn sure looks like it. Uh, I mean, the front end's pushing. He's swapping all over the place. So I would say maybe back it down just a touch there and understand that all you need to be is like in the top five. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm sure he wants to be fastest and not give anybody any confidence. And it also gives himself confidence. And there's, there's a lot of things that help with qualifying fastest. I understand that. But if you're going to have to take outsized risk to do that, then I think it's a net negative and you should probably chill out a little bit. So that's it. Other than that, perfect weekend for RJ Hampshire. Jordan Smith, second place was really good. Uh, I got to speak with him a few times after the heat race win. I got to talk to him in the media scrum for the post-race show. And, you know, he mentioned several times that he's been healthy for a minute now and he's had time to kind of build momentum, get his base fitness back and really get better instead of constantly just trying to heal and go through therapy and get back on the motorcycle. So that's a big thing. Like that really does matter. And I think for RJ or for, excuse me, for Jordan, he's able to kind of see light at the end of the tunnel and worry about being the fastest guy instead of just like, man, you know, and speaking as Jordan is like, man, I just, just got to stay on the racetrack and keep a ride and be out there. Now he's transitioned into, okay, I have this foundation to work from. Now I can try to push forward and go win races and, and try to be a championship contender. And of course, the question with Jordan Smith always is, can he stay upright? Can he not crash? And if he doesn't crash, then sky's the limit. You know, and that means, I would say that means beating RJ. Like he could be in that mix. Like we saw him in the heat race. We saw how good he is. It's not a question of is he capable or is he not. He just needs to stay off the damn ground for long enough to be able to make good on it. And that's a consistency thing too. Like you can't crash one weekend, be good for two more weekends and then crash again. Like that doesn't, you know, as far as being a race winning contender, sure, no problem. And you'll probably keep a ride in that scenario. But if you ever want to make good on it and go win a championship, that that can't be the, the equation, you know, for long-term success. Levi Kitchen. The chef, as he is uh, affectionately called, and I really like Levi. Um, I've come around a lot on him. I didn't really know him, but just getting to speak with him on the podium, like he's, he's really insightful. He's really transparent. Um, and he's one of the guys that, you know, if, if I'm trying to make small talk with him, like when we're waiting, they're doing the highlights and what they would call the billboard showing all these different things on the screen. He's one that'll talk to me and we can have like a, a real conversation where I'm not just kind of killing time. Like we're talking about the bike and the track and, and I enjoy that. And I appreciate that from Levi is he's willing to be cool. Right. Because some guys, not that they're not trying to, they're just in their mode, right? They're in race mode, they're in podium mode and they don't want to get, you know, give you really any, any real information. That's not how Levi is. So that that's cool for me. I know that doesn't mean much to you, but maybe it gives you some insight as to who he is as a person. Now uh, he did mention in those quiet times about, uh, just he, he kind of screwed up on bike setup. Um, he likes to ride off the back of the motorcycle a lot. And the way they had it set up, he had to be over the front. And that, to me, that means the front end was too soft. Um, I don't, I could be wrong on that, but me translating that as a former racer would tell you that the front, they had the front end a little bit soft, which would make sense because the track was so spongy and that pushed all of his weight forward and made him uncomfortable. So he said he got super tight and I was kind of like, pushing him on why he was super tight, but that, that would absolutely give you reason to be tight as if, 
you want to ride a certain way and he want you know, he's so tall. He wants to be over the back. And if the front's really soft, that weight's going to keep transferring forward, transferring forward over and over every time he breaks, every time he goes into a corner over every jump. And that's going to put him out of the position that he necessarily wants to be in. So interesting stuff to hear. Um, I always can kind of glean things from that. And uh, so, yeah, it was, that was, um, it gave me a little bit more reason as to why he looked tight or didn't look like his, uh, what I expected him to look like anyway. Joe Shimoda, I think everybody was expecting him to be really good this weekend. And, uh, you know, he's, he's on the bike that's won the last few Supercross championships. You look at the damage that Jet Lawrence and Hunter Lawrence have done on that bike. And we all expect him to kind of take the reins from there. And, and I think he will. I think he's going to be a race winner. But he's got to clean up the noise. He can't crash on the first lap of the heat race. He can't give himself a terrible gate position in the main event. You can't get a bad start when you're dealing with guys like RJ and Kitchen. These, these guys are, are too good for that. You can't spot them 10 seconds on the first lap. So I think Joe will figure it out. I think he's going to get better. But, I mean, there's, there's no way that he didn't leave there frustrated. You know, he almost got Kitchen for third, but he wasn't on the podium. He knows that the expectation from everybody on that team is wins because that's what they're used to. You know, Jet and Hunter created this dynamic where, yeah, the, the expectation is to win. So I, I totally get it. Um, he's got a lot of pressure. Now, is it like mean pressure where they're like, dude, you better win? No, it's not like that. It, it's not like that at all. But expectation is expectation. And when you're on factory Honda and when you're on the bike, that's done so much winning and Honda brought you over from monster energy pro circuit, Kawasaki to be, you know, air quotes around that guy, that's where they brought you there. Then you better get it done. You better, you, you just have to, and he's not going to get fired. I'm sure he's locked in. And I, I think they really like Joe, you know, he was a Honda guy. Remember from Geico days and all that. I think they truly enjoy him as a person, but the goal is to win. And the expectation is to win. And, and don't ever forget that, right? If, if you've forgotten that, then I guess uh, I'm trying to think of the right phrase. Um, yeah, forget that at your own peril. Because your income, your future contracts, your ability to move to the 450 class on a factory bike, all those things are dependent on your success on this 250. So just something to keep in mind because there's been a lot, there have been a lot of questions asked about Joe is can he do it? in the moment, right? When, when all the pressure is on and it's the biggest stage and the brightest lights can't, and he's, he's the Honda guy for West, right? And, and I'm sure pro motocross, yes, Hymas will be there, but they have high expectations for Joe. So it's just something to think about. And as we're watching this season unfold, just remember that they're expecting him to win. And, and that may be really obvious. Um, but it is a theme behind the scenes of like, can Joe get this done finally? Maximus Voland is the uh, two, two more 250 guys. Maximus Voland was the best version of Maximus Voland I've ever seen. Uh, so congrats to him. Did he get on the podium? No, he didn't. And he still has not uh, in his career yet. I, I understand that. And it's a very fair point to make. But this was the best Max I've seen. And if you're looking for improvement, you're looking for him to take the next step. I think we saw it. You know, he's still got some work to do, and that's okay. But I just wanted to see him better than he was. Uh, I just wanted to see a, a, a marked improvement, a different Max Voland than I'd seen in previous years, and, and I think we have that. So 
Good job from him overall. The results still need to be better. No question about it. But you can tell that he put in a ton of hard work. You can tell that he's really listened to Mitch Payton and the team. And uh, things are coming around for him. So I, I like kind of what's to come for Max. I think this was the right move. I think Mitch Payton did a good job getting him. And I think they will all be rewarded. Maximus, Mitch, Kawasaki, everybody will be rewarded for taking a chance. Because he's got a one-year deal. It didn't go well at Suzuki. We know that. So I think them being willing to take this chance uh, is paying off already. Uh, Julian Bomer, everybody calls him Juju. I thought he was amazing. Uh, I mean, remember, this is his first ever Monster Energy Supercross race as a pro. He did race Futures last year, and he was really good. That's how he got this ride. Make no mistake, the ride he put in and the qualifying practices he put in at A2 last year got him this ride. Now, did he sign his contract there? No, but that was the catalyst. They took him to the test track the next week, and he really impressed him at the test track, and it all happened from there. This entire sequence of events happened from Anaheim 2 last year and him going out and qualifying fastest and doing all sorts of great things uh, really, really set the stage for him to be on uh, factory Red Bull KTM for uh, 2024. So good job for him for backing it up. You look at his heat race, whole shot, main event running up front. And if he doesn't crash there, you know, he's in a, in the fight for the top five. You know, he ends up sixth. But I thought it was a, a really, really strong statement from him to kick this thing off. And I talked to him after, and he wasn't that impressed with himself. I, I thought that was really interesting. He was kind of like, yeah, okay, it was good, whatever. Um, but I think I was much more impressed with his effort than he was. So something to keep in mind. Uh, can he... Can he build from this, or is that like where he's going to be? You know, that four, five, six, seven. Uh, because remember, these races are long, right? And there, there are, there is a lot of talent at the top. But I think he has a chance. I, I really do. I think he has a chance to get a podium this year because if you look at the way he's starting and you look at how good he is in the whoops, those are the two toughest things. And he has sprint speed, so he has so many variables that most people don't that are going to allow him to succeed. So I, I really like how this sets up for, uh, for Juju moving forward. And that, and I mean that big picture. I, I think this kid's the real deal. It may be a while before you see a championship or something like that. I'm, I'm not even worried about that. I'm just saying in the, in the big picture of, is he going to make it or not? I really like how this looks for that kid. So that's uh that's stupidity notes. Um, you know, obviously one round, so we can't pretend to draw conclusions, but, um, what I thought I knew going in, uh, has only been reinforced. I, I feel like, that I'm in a really good place as far as what's going to happen in this series. And, and we're going to get some variants. That's how these things go. Um, but in the words of, uh, was it Dennis, what was his name? Dennis Allen. You know, we are who they thought they were pretty much like everybody who I thought was a certain person or way has kind of proven that to be the case. So let's talk four fifties. And if you're new to this podcast, we do the power rankings and, uh, it's just really more of a way for me to kind of keep track of who's moving up, who's trending up, trending down. Uh, and, and it's a little bit of big picture and it's a little bit of recency bias too. So if you have a great weekend, you're not going to just jump up from eighth to second or something like that. Right. I look at last year, I look at uh, data, I look at all sorts of things to kind of make up my mind on where people should be. And I feel pretty comfortable about this because some of them may not be fair based on this weekend, but remember, one race does not a trend make. 
and there's going to be a lot of data coming at us and there's we have a ton to reflect with most of these 450 guys so i didn't let it steer me too far off of what i tr- what i believe to be the case um the a1 is such a weird event and if you are basing or trying to form opinions based off off of a1 it's usually going to be wrong or flawed in some way um so just just keep that in mind don't uh, don't get too wrapped up in what you saw over one weekend so at number 10 i have justin barsha and we knew that justin barsha was coming in behind the eight ball he was injured mo- you know off and on throughout uh the end of the year he got healthy really got back to form and then he crashed at los angeles and got hurt again so he went under the knife again uh, and that kind of kept him off the bike a lot of the offseason so he's not the same justin barsha that won anaheim three times in a row he will be and i think he's going to get back there but he's just not right now so don't it, it's not fair to expect him to come out and win the opener i knew he wasn't there i knew he wasn't ready um, so I think he just tried to get by, get through the laps, get a solid result, get some points and keep it moving, which I think he accomplished. So I have him at number 10 and I, I kind of give him a, a satisfactory grade, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think he really blew us away, but he didn't wildly disappoint either. So I, I'm good with, uh, I'm kind of good with how it went for, for uh, Justin Barsha. Malcolm Stewart. That's a tough one, man, because I, I think he – a lot of people expected a lot from him because he had been so fast throughout the offseason. Like, everybody was talking about how fast he was going. And then he just couldn't stay off the ground. You know, I watched him in qualifying practice. He crashed. I watched him in the races. He crashed. You know, the, the first turn of the main event, things happen, right? It wasn't necessarily his fault. He got caught up with Vince Freezy, as most people typically do at one time or another. But um, I think there's more to come. He'll be a lot better than this, and we just need to be patient with him and let things unfold. Uh, and they will like, we don't, I don't think we have to worry too much about whether Malcolm's going to find his form or not. It's just, you know, if he wants to be relevant in the championship, he's got to figure it out really quickly because those guys at the front are going to, are going to check out of here points wise. If he doesn't number eight is Dylan Ferrandis. And you know, this was one of the most interesting stories to me. It may not have the, the highest headlines or anything like that, but when you think about Ferrandis and him leaving a factory team, him going to Phoenix Honda, which is, you know, full privateer effort. He doesn't have factory parts. Um, he did get a little bit of help from Honda here and there, but it's not a factory bike. It is a production-based motorcycle with a lot of aftermarket parts on it. Uh, Ziggy, the founder of Factory Connection, is very much in his corner and has been testing with him nonstop. He's staying in California this week to test with him again. Uh, and I was very impressed. Across the board, I was very impressed with Dylan Ferrandez. Fitness, speed, um, he just, the moment didn't look too big for him. He just looked like he fit in. You know, ended up fifth, got some help from Cooper Webb there with Crash. But I thought it was rock solid. And if you were looking for some sort of validation, they're like, hey, we're going to be fine. Like, the, the bike's good enough. We can make this work. I think we got it from the weekend from Dylan. And... So I'm, I'm kind of all, all in on this thing now. Now, do I think he's going to be fifth every weekend? Probably not. I think the track was good for him. It was soft and ruddy and, and really technical. And there will be weekends where maybe he crashes or doesn't have his best stuff or whatever. I get it. But all I wanted to see with it was that this could work, you know, because sometimes it just doesn't. You see guys go out there and struggle and they can't get it together. The bike doesn't work. The mechanic's not on the level. 
all the parts just didn't work out. They didn't test the right way. Like just take your pick of reasons why something wouldn't work. And cause I've seen them all and for him to come out and, and be really good at the open, I just thought it was a really positive thing and just kind of validation on his decision to do this. So um, I was happy for him. I, I like Dylan Fernandez. I know, you know, he's French and some people don't like personalities and, and, you know, everybody wants to root for Americans. I get all that. Um, but he's been, he's always been really nice to me. And I think he's a lot more personable than, than people give him credit for. Uh, so it was nice to see him have some success, but some success because he was really unhappy last year. I could just see it in his face all the time. He was just really unhappy. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to see anybody unhappy. You know, it's no fun. Like he, he sacrificed, you know, a lot to race this year. Like he didn't have a factory team. I'm sure he took a huge pay cut across the board. I would guarantee that I would bet anything. He took a gigantic pay cut. So he could have very easily gone home and he didn't, he stuck it out. He swallowed his pride. He's on a full privateer effort and uh, fifth place is pretty damn good. So he's in number eight for the power rankings. Uh, number seven is AP. And you're going to say like, how, how can AP be seventh after he got fourth at the opener? Well, because it's not just about the opener. It's about last year. It's about lots of things. It's about how I think this thing's going to go. It's about a body of work. Uh, but make no mistake, AP was great. I thought he was one of the sneakiest results of the weekend. And uh, I, I, yeah, I commend him and his effort uh, this weekend because there wasn't much talk coming in about AP. Like he was Chase Sexton's teammate and Chase was getting all the, all the headlines, right? We know that. And he should, he's the defending champion. So AP was kind of just like in the shadows a bit, you know, nobody was really talking about him. And yet he came in and killed it, right? He was catching Chase Sexton uh, at one point. So I give him a, a ton of credit and respect. Great job from him. Um, and I think that there's more to come. I, I really do. I think he is going to get a podium. I don't know if he's going to get that win that we've been talking about forever, but um, I wouldn't be shocked. Let's put it that way. I would not be shocked if he finds a way to uh, to get that win. So just something to, to watch for because I think he had a lot more in the tank than most people were expecting. So good job from AP. Everybody cheers for AP. We all know that. Um, I mean, he's, he's got the most personality of probably anybody in the sport. So let's see what the rest of the year brings. Um, but I'm, I'm certainly cheering for him. I can tell you that. Um, he's just such a, such a fun guy to watch and his personality pours out of him. And yeah, he makes, he makes racing fun. I try to mention that in every interview I do with him because he does, he adds so much to the sport. You know, there are so many people that are so nervous with how the weekend's going to go that they can't let their personality shine through. And I, I've just not ever gotten that with AP. Like he's, he's one of the guys that can, he can kind of push that to the side and let him just be himself. And even if things aren't going really to plan, he can kind of laugh it off. So I really appreciate that from him. Um, it's just uh, it's a pretty cool thing to to have that. You know, you see it after guys are done racing a lot, right? That happens pretty often. You you don't get to see their true personality until they're done racing. Well, with AP, we're seeing it while he's still out there, and that's uh, yeah, it's something to commend. And and uh, I think we should all kind of jump on board, and, and maybe more guys would do that if we kind of made mention and noticed and appreciated it in the time. And I, I think we do like he probably has the most 
fan following of anybody in the sport. Um, AP does is, is other than like the, you know, the Jet Lawrence's or whatever. But um, yeah, anyway, I'm just a, I'm a big AP fan. Jason Anderson is number six and what a revelation and a, just a turnaround Jason Anderson had from 2023. And I talked to him a little bit before the season of, and he just said, yeah, we kind of lost ourselves trying to sort the bike out. Um, everybody was working really hard. We just couldn't get that form. Like I couldn't get comfortable. And that obviously showed up on the racetrack. We could all see it. The results weren't there like they were uh, in prior years. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to see that he's back. I, I think he brings a lot to the sport. He's his own person. He's a unique personality. He has a ton of speed. He's not scared to get aggressive with whoever, right? And that's that's a big thing too. Um, a lot of these guys are, are terrified to ride aggressively. I don't like aggressive riding, uh, but I, I think you kind of always need a villain. You need a guy that's going to go in there and not just clean people out. There's a difference, but he'll get in there and bump people like Barsha. Um, and when you get those guys, it just, it adds a little bit of something. It adds entertainment value. I'm glad I don't have to race them. I'll, I'll say that. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with that at all, but um, purely on a, on a fan level, it's pretty great. Um, and, and we all know it, you know, having Jason Anderson on his best form is simply better for the sport. It just is like, there's no other way to, to really put it, you know, having some of these other guys we're going to talk about too on their best form. It just brings more. It, it matters more when they're doing really, really well. So I'm kind of hoping that we see more of that from Anderson. Like it wasn't a one-off and I don't think it is. I think he's really happy with the bike and he did all the work to be prepared and we're probably going to get his best stuff uh, here in uh, 2024. So welcome back. Just like I said on the podium, welcome back, Jason Anderson. Uh, number five is Ken Roxon, And Kenny got robbed. Um, if you look at how good he was all day, his heat race was absolutely amazing. I think that we're going to see a very, very good Ken Roxon this year. He looks comfortable. He looks fit. He looks fast. Um and going down on the first lap just robbed everybody of what could have been, including Kenny. So let's keep an eye on this because I think Kenny is going to be good. I think he's going to get another win this year. I think we're going to see multiple podiums from him. And I think he knows it. Like, I think he knows he's coming in really, really prepared for this year. And that's going to be, that's going to be a good time. He's, he brings a lot. We all know that. Like he brings a ton to the sport and he's just, he's, one of the most charismatic riders we've ever seen. He's the, I used to call him the most marketable rider in the sport, bar none. So if you're telling me that Ken Roxon's his best, I'm here for that all day long. Now, does it mean he's going to be champion in 2024? That's been the argument between myself and Steve Mathis a million times. I'm not saying that, right? We all know the challenge that Kenny faces over 17 rounds. And as he's had so many surgeries, he faces these immunodeficiency things like that's not the point I'm trying to make. What I'm saying is, is he's back. The Ken Roxon that we saw at Anaheim one last year is not the same Ken Roxon we're seeing at Anaheim one this year. And that bodes really well for him because he's going to be able to get better and better. And his starting point is so much higher. And so if you're a Ken Roxon fan, you've got to love that because forget about the 10th place. It was an outlier. It had nothing to do with how he was riding. But if you looked at his speed, you looked at that heat race, you looked at his confidence and comfort level with the motorcycle, that's all you really needed to know. That dude is back and he is ready to get after it. So 
Great job, Kenny. Um, I was uh, I was cheering for you. And again, you know, I was saying about Jason Anderson. I'm going to say about Cooper Webb. When the stars of the sport are at their best, we all benefit. Period. End of story. We all benefit from that. So um, thank you, Kenny, for putting in so much hard work, and thank you for showing up your best self because you're going to put on a show one of these rounds. Like it, it's definitely coming, in my opinion. Uh, number four is Cooper Webb, and he was the most surprising rider of the weekend for me. Like I was absolutely shocked at how fast and how good Cooper Webb was coming out of the gate. I thought it would kind of be a slow burn. I thought he'd have to figure this thing out, get the motorcycle dialed, find the pace a little bit, wait for just, he, he just kind of is a, he's like a diesel, you know, and I know that's Ryan Dungey's thing, but it, it reminds me of that where it just takes him a little while to get warmed up. And for him to come in this fast, this early, I would be very nervous if I'm everybody else. And I, I don't know that you can make Jet nervous. Like, I just don't know that you can. Like, he's so damn good and has so much confidence. But I can tell you, if I, was the, if I were these other guys, like an Eli Tomac, I would be concerned. Because, yeah, like, Cooper is usually not this good this early. And you don't want him to be. You want to have to... You want him to be kind of struggling, giving up points here and there. Um, you want him to look up at the end of January and be 25 points down and be like, crap, I got, I got to get it together here. I got to figure this thing out. He's not. Um, he's absolutely not. So let's see what this does, right? It's one race, and I think I have to be truthful. If I'm going to say that one race doesn't change everything, that's, I, have to, you know, I have to abide by that. So let's not get carried away. Let's wait and see what happens. But I do think that it was a little bit scary for everybody to watch Cooper Webb be this strong this early. Um, you think about if he's on this form now, what does he look like in St. Louis? What does he look like in Birmingham? That's kind of where I go with those thoughts because he's – yeah, he, he typically gets better, just like Eli Tomac does, just like some of the other riders do. They steadily progress, and progression from here means a lot of winning. Um, so anyway, just uh, just something to keep in mind with Cooper Webb. Like I, he totally caught me off guard. I, I have to be a hundred percent honest with that. I, I did not expect uh, him to be that good this quickly. So we'll see, but. Uh, Championship-wise, it was a really, really strong statement for, for the number two. Eli Tomac is number three, and, and this is where I thought it might get a little dicey for some. Um, I get it. You know, I, I understand how some people would say that it's not fair to have him here. Like, I, I understand that. I, I get it. Um, but for me, I'm looking at body of work. I'm looking at he's going to get better. He was off for how long, and he's already – like in the mix, he's already capable of quick lap times. Okay, he got ninth place. I understand that's not good. Like he's going to have to be better than that. But I, I thought this was going to be the case all along. Like I really thought that he was going to struggle early, and I was met with some pushback. And they're like, "No, he'll be good. He'll be good right away. He's he's a hundred percent." I was like, "I mean, okay, but a hundred percent doesn't always pencil out in the way that you think it's going to." You know, I've just been around this too long and seen it too many times where 
you're healthy. Sure. Great. Yeah. You can do all the practice laps you want in the world and you feel great and you feel fast and all those things. But guess what? When you have to go show up at the Omaha track and Cooper Webb is there. Yeah. What, what's your pace like then? Because Cooper's healthy and it has momentum and all those things, right? And it's the same thing for Sexton or whoever, because he doesn't, he practices alone. Yes. He spent some time with uh, Hayden Deegan. Sure. Understand. But it's a very different thing going up against Jet Warrens and Chase Sexton and Jason Anderson and Ken Roxon than it is being at your practice track that you've done 10 million laps on and having to do it on command. Like it, it is a very, very different thing. Um, so it was just what I was curious about. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And I mean, it's fine. I'm not like stressed or anything about it. I just think that we got to give him some time. And I don't think that's how he thought this was going to go. I kind of did. And I'm not trying to say that I had it all figured out. I'm really not. But I really did think that he was going to have a tough time at the opener, finding the, the last little bit of intensity because that's the most difficult part. You know, I've erased, I had injuries and I had to deal with all these things. So I know where the, the struggle points are. And it doesn't matter if I wasn't at his level. I'm dealing, I was dealing with my own level and you're, you're always racing against yourself, if that makes sense. And I think that getting to the, that last bit of where he was, you know, he had so much momentum behind him. He was so strong for so long that he needed, he's going to need a, he's going to need a minute to get back there. And it may take a month. It may take two months. I don't know, but I can tell you firsthand that the hardest part of recovering from an injury is getting that last little bit, right? What made him Eli Tomac getting that back? So we'll see how long that takes him. You know, it, maybe it comes back right away and maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm underestimating just how great he is and how fast he can get that back. Um, but I just think it, it might be a little bit, and we might just have to be patient and that's okay. Like being patient is totally fine. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with a little bit of patience. Um, so just let's see how this thing goes. Let's not overreact. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater at the first round. Um, and let's just understand what he's up against and how this is going to go in the first few weeks. He's never been that great in January anyway. Like we have to remember that January's always been tough for him to start with. You know, last year was an outlier. He really kind of figured it out um, more quickly than in the past, but that's not the norm. The norm for him is to struggle a little bit in January, start finding his form, and then really, really turning up as the season gets going. And that's how champ that's how he's won his championships. That's always kind of been his MO. So for me to think that it wouldn't be his MO now, I don't think that really makes any sense. Like, why would I think that that would be any different? Um, especially coming off a huge injury, taking the most time he's ever had to take off in his career. Why would I think he would be better in January than his historical average would be, which is like third or fourth, right? So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll get, you know, he'll come out and win San Francisco and I look stupid. But I just think it's going to be a work in progress. You know, maybe this weekend's fifth or sixth. You know, maybe he, he pulls off like a, a podium somewhere in the next few weeks. But I don't think we're going to see his best stuff for a little while. That That's just my take on it. And we'll see if I'm, we'll see if I'm right or wrong on that. I, I just... I don't think um, 
I don't, I don't want to expect too much from him. I don't, I don't think that's really fair to expect from him uh, at this point. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but I, I think it's fair to put him at three. I think if you look at how good he's been for so long, to not have him at three would not really be fair. Um, so I'm, I'm going to leave him there and feel, feel good about it. Number two, as you can imagine, is going to be Chase Sexton. After all, he is your defending champion. And uh, I, I, was, I was scared for Chase. Um, I'd heard some really tough things coming out of boot camp and, and uh, just things weren't going necessarily to plan. So this makes me more comfortable and confident after watching him uh, this weekend. You know, I liked what I saw. He was much better than some of the things I had heard coming out of the practice tracks. Like he was just struggling and he didn't have the pace and he wasn't as fast as Ken Roxon sometimes, which it's whatever it's practice and, and Kenny's ultra talented, but it had heard struggles with the chassis. He had kind of flown back and forth testing a lot and, and he just was frustrated that that was the word I kept hearing was it just wasn't going as smoothly as he would want it to go. And that's okay. Like that happens. There's no, you know, that that's not like pull the panic button or anything like that. But I was nervous how this first round would go because I know Chase would want to start fast, right? He would want to be the fastest qualifier. He would want to prove that this KTM move was the right move. You know, he had so much riding on it. Like he left Honda HRC. He brought them their first championship in 20 years and then he leaves the only professional program he's ever been on, which is Honda, to go to Red Bull KTM, strike out on his own. And that comes with expectation. That comes with pressure because he could have stayed. He could have stayed on that motorcycle. He could have stayed on a proven program, but he decided not to. So all that told me is like, hey, do what you got to do. Make your own decisions. Be your own guy. But you got to get it together because if you don't, if you struggle, if you don't really bring the results, everybody is going to point to that and say, you should have stayed at Honda. You had it made. You were the number one plate on a Honda. You should have stayed there. That's my opinion. That's what I, if it doesn't go well, that's what I think everybody is going to point to and say, you should have just stayed. And I don't know. If, I don't know that that's fair or not fair. You know, I, I understand saying that Jet could have beat him on a Honda and he would have lost anyway. I get all that. I'm just saying it sets up for a very easy thing for detractors to point to. You know, if he stayed at Honda and Jet beats him, I think everybody just goes, yeah, well, man, Jet was so freaking good. Like, you know, what, what do we expect to happen? But with the move, he opens the door up for everybody to say, hey, man, you won the title last year. That bike was really good. Look how good Jet did on it. And then you went to another program and your results suffered. So it, it kind of puts the, all of that on him as far as making a bad decision. Now it's a blame game thing. Um, so I, I, fourth place may not, or excuse me, third place may not look great as far as like being the champion, but I think it's okay. Like it took some of the, the took all that emphasis off of it, took some of the pressure off. And now he can just focus on being better, right? Just focus on getting a little bit faster figuring out where, where Jet and Cooper and Anderson were a little bit better than him, and he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. Now, maybe I maybe he does, and, I, and I'm thinking too much about one round, but I think looking at his body language, looking at him on the podium, I got the sense that it was a little bit of relief and just a little bit of, okay, I think we're going to be good. Like, we're going to be okay. And that, that goes a long way, a lot more, a, long, a lot further 
than I think some people would, uh, would think it would. So um, I'm sure he's probably breathing a little easier here on a Monday. And we'll see what, uh, what San Francisco brings. Now, number one, this is super obvious, right, is going to be Jet Lawrence. And for Jet, I mean, what do you say? Like, I'm, I'm running out of things to talk about with him because he keeps rewriting history. He keeps doing things that he shouldn't be doing as far as winning so early and winning at a – you know, nobody had ever won their first race. And – Everybody's trying to put asterisks on it, like Josh Grant saying, like, I did. Well, no, you didn't. You raced Seattle the year before, and Damon Bradshaw didn't say anything, but people were trying to throw his name in there. He had raced before. All these guys raced the Supercross before. And if you if you want to say that SMX was Supercross, all right, I guess. I mean, uh, fair. But it wasn't technically by the rule book. And that's all we have to go off of. This isn't the wild, wild west. There have to be rules. And if we're going to have stats and records – then we have, a, we have to have a consistent uh, basis to work from, and that is Monster Energy Supercross. So people can be upset, and you don't have to agree with it or like it or anything, but the stat's the stat. And he's the first one that ever raced a 450 Monster Energy Supercross and won the first time he lined up. That's just what it is. There's no reason to be mad or yell at people or complain. We're not, it's not biased. Nobody cares. We're not trying to make this the Jet Lawrence show. It's just what the stat is. And if we don't report it or talk about it, I don't think that's doing a service to Jet. Like, that's not fair to him. Like, he deserves all the accolades. He deserves everything we could ever say great about him. Because look what he's doing. Look at his results. Look how damn good he is. Qualifies fastest. Wins the – he didn't win the heat. Wins the main event. Wins the Super Motocross World Championship. He goes undefeated in his first ever 450 outdoor season. Like, if you have things to say negatively about Jet Lawrence, get out of here. Like, I I don't. I don't have – Anything but praise to give that kid. The end of story, period. You don't have to like him. I don't care. But if you think that I'm not going to laud praises at his feet because of what the things he's done, then you're just going to have to live with being wrong because I'm going to continue to do it. So congrats, Jet. You are at the top of the power rankings, as you should be. And we roll on to San Fran. Thank you to all the sponsors. Um, it's going to be quite the season. Uh, I don't think, you know, I was in a conversation with someone, oh, it was on the review podcast last night and Weege and Steve were both like, are, you know, are we in for like a runaway, like jet just takes off and wins everything and nobody can touch him. I don't think so. And it's, it flies in the face a little bit of what I just said about jet, but I don't think it's going to be just absolute domination where nobody can touch him. You know, like he's just impossible to beat, and nobody can ever get near. I don't, I don't see that. Um, I think there's going to be really close racing. Jet will win his fair share. I think that um, Chase Sexton will win a couple. I think that Ken Roxon will win one. I think Tomac gets back to form and wins. I think Cooper Webb wins. I think Jason Anderson wins. Um, that's and, and, you know, we always have this argument about how many guys are going to win. The form that I saw a lot of these riders on this weekend reinforced my confidence that we're going to see multiple winners. Like it's not going to be a runaway show from anybody because there's too many guys that are like really good this year. Now last year, Anderson was way off. So take him out of it. You know, Barsha and Roxon stole a win there, but I believe that Roxon is much better than he was last year. Barsha's not, but he's got plenty of time. Remember Barsha didn't really catch fire until like halfway last year. So that could maybe be the case again. I think AP's better. Sexton's not quite as good right now, but he's going to find a way to win. We all know that. 
Tomac's not either. He'll find a way to win. So it sets up nicely to have some real battling. The question will be when these guys find their form, when Tomac gets back, when uh, whoever, Barsha, and Barsha's not really a championship contender so much, but if Sexton figures the bike out and really gets back to that top end speed that he had, what does the what do the points look like by then? That will be the most critical thing because Jet's on fire. Jet Jet is firing on all cylinders already. Does he get a big lead, and then these guys just don't have enough firepower or enough consistency or enough winning in their future to to bring the points back down? That to me, that is the the ultimate question of what this championship looks like. Is Jet's already there? Does he pull out a big lead and make it impossible for these other guys to reel that back in? So that's what I'll leave you with uh, this week. Thank you to all the sponsors again. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Glad to be back. 